As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. And a wonderful opportunity here which has been taken. Cho so Put South Korea in front. And the rebound is in though. And Morocco do have their goal. It could be a momentous moment for Morocco. And just wait until the news gets through to those players. They are about to find out that they have done the job. Look at that. Just look at that. I'm Michelle Owen and this is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast World Cup edition. Today we'll be looking back on day 15 of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Germany are the latest and biggest shock exit from this tournament of the completely unexpected. The two-time world champions who were ranked second in the world going into this tournament could only draw with South Korea, which saw Morocco and Colombia progress from Group H. Joining me today are the Athletic's Harriet Drudge, and Tamara Griffin. Hello, both. Hi, Michelle. Hello. We'll also be hearing from Chloe Morgan during the show. Where else to start but Group H? So the final action of the group stages happened on Australia's east and west coast. Simultaneously, Morocco played Colombia at the Perth Rectangular Stadium in Perth, Bualu, and 2,600 miles away, South Korea took on Germany at the Brisbane Stadium in Brisbane, Mianjin. So Group H looked like this before those kickoffs. Colombia were top with six points, Germany was second with three, Morocco third also with three, and South Korea bottom with none. Now the headline of course, is that Germany are out. The Athletics' Chloe Morgan was inside Brisbane Stadium and here are her thoughts after the final whistle. What an amazing night it has been down in Brisbane Stadium. South Korea and Germany drawing 1-1, which basically means that Germany have been knocked out of the competition at the group stages for the first time in the tournament's history. It just was a completely unexpected result, but the stadium was absolutely rampacked and South Korea came through with the goods. They scored in the fourth minute, which sent the stadium absolutely wild. And from then on in, Germany just seemed very nervous. Every time South Korea had a set piece, I mean, Germany were, were taking all 11 players back into the box, defending those. 
And then just before the half-time whistle, Germany found the equaliser. And who else? It was Alexander Pop with a header. Going into the second half, Germany seemed to initially dominate possession, but again, South Korea absolute resolute defending, emergency defending, loads of blocks. Germany had over 75% of the possession in, in the, the first 20 minutes of the second half, and then towards the back end of the, the second half, in the last 20 minutes, it completely changed round, and, and South Korea were having about 60% of the possession, but they managed to keep it to a draw until the final whistle, and there was about 11 minutes of extra time added on to that. The issue was that Morocco have beaten Colombia. So by this point, I think in the 85th minute or so, the German players were told that they had to get the win to be able to progress through into the round of 16. After the final whistle blew, the German squad completely fell apart. There was devastation absolutely everywhere. Players crying, Ross Tecklenburg trying to go over and, and console them, trying to make sure they were okay. Yeah, it was pretty heartbreaking to watch, but also a massive achievement for the South Korea players picking up their first point of the tournament. So a very exciting evening in the end. Wow, 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 my gosh. Did this World Cup of shocks just keep delivering? Germany are out. We've got to start with this, Harriet. I mean, what went wrong in this game? What went wrong in this tournament? I cannot believe we are saying those three words that Germany are out. I know. I mean, this is the first time they've even, or maybe even the second time that they failed to come top of their World Cup group. So for them to actually go out is incredible. What went wrong? I think maybe a, a mixture of things, but ultimately their defence, who are usually so thrifty, just couldn't keep the ball out in the last two two games. And I think maybe that Zambia defeat in the build-up to the World Cup was a bit more of an indicator than we perhaps realised as to where they're at form-wise. So they conceded so late then and obviously then did the same thing against Colombia and then conceded really early against uh, South Korea in this game. They just didn't really look like they were going to recover. Obviously, Alexandra Pop got her standard goal hmm. in a game, her eighth consecutive in major tournaments. But it just wasn't enough in the end. I mean, it's just crazy. They, they beat Morocco 6-0 in the opening group game, but now they look like they've never played football together, Tamara. You know, I really think there's something to be said about having practice with your mental fortitude in high-stakes moments when you are not only needing to get a result, but doing so, in Germany's case, coming off of a loss that... As much as I'm sure they respected Colombia throughout that match, probably shocked them, probably bruised the ego. They seemed like they were unfamiliar with the concept of having to claw their way out of something. And I think, honestly, if there's been a theme across, well, I mean, there have been several themes throughout, throughout the tournament. But one of the themes that has really struck me is the exposure of some of these top teams from these big nations, big footballing nations, and how uncomfortable they are with being in the positions that they've sort of been forced into, into these corners where they have to fight their way out. And what I saw was a team of extremely talented footballers from this legacy team who did not know how to play football out of a corner. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, Tamara, because South Korea taking the lead was was a shock. You mentioned keeping the ball out the net, Harriet. Were you surprised by Germany's defending today, early on, across the tournament? Yeah, I think I have been. During the Euros last year, they didn't concede in the group stage. So that's kind of been a traditional expectation that you're not going to get 
many opportunities against Germany. And even if you do, they might not go in. But they were warned even earlier than the goal that they conceded tonight against Korea. Casey Fair, two minutes in, probably should have scored. I, you know, let her off, 16-year-olds at a World Cup. But they were given that warning and you just thought, OK, there may be a bit of a hangover from the Columbia game. But they just never really recovered from that. They never, like as Tamara said, they never really looked comfortable with the fact that they might have to fight to win this one rather than it just come naturally to them. I mean, their defence from the Euros has been a bit disrupted. Julia Gwynn's out. Hergering hasn't played until today as well. And she was in the team of the tournament last year. So there is that to kind of consider which major team at this tournament hasn't had injuries to deal with. Yeah, Alexandra Pop played deeper again. Of course, like you said, she scored. It's what she does. But it's probably not a good sign for Germany. They're having to move their focal point in attack out of position, is it, Tamara? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if South Korea read and, and maybe even fed off of that as a sign of vulnerability that they could exploit. Luckily, Alexandra Pop is relentless tenacious and in this game especially seemed almost like she could have played another 90. She was full of energy. She was I think by far the most dynamic player on the pitch for Germany. It actually took me a while to even realize how much ground she was covering because it felt natural almost for her. But yeah, it's it's not a good sign. It was a pretty conservative move especially in a game like that and it makes me wonder how it sort of changed her own approach. On a previous episode, the athletic Steph Young was understandably disappointed with South Korea's tournament to this point. But they started really well today and perhaps surprised some people, Harriet, with how physical they were, but also strong defensively. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the early goal gave them the confidence to have that belief that they could compete. They did look a bit more vibrant today. I think they knew going into this, it's their last opportunity to kind of show the world what they can do. It's been a tournament of those kind of matches for teams where they haven't really been expected to get anything. And I think South Korea, they wanted to get in on the act basically. And and defensively, they looked resolute. Obviously they did concede and the disallowed goal as well, which obviously kind of a sigh of relief uh, from that. Although the flick, the flick and then the, the header that Pop was just a magnet in there, wasn't she? She had so many headers, I lost count. But, you know, to keep Germany out, they did really, really well and they deserve that point. Yeah, and in terms of the way the day played out, it was one way you needed to rise everywhere. But Germany's equaliser pushed Morocco out of the qualification places. The first half of that game was a bit more cautious until that penalty for Morocco, Harriet. What did you make of that instant? So I was watching one on my laptop and one on my phone and I kind of saw the the challenge go in on, on the Morocco player and thought, no, that's not that's not going to be given. Watched the replay, saw it had been given. I was just like, oh, they're going to go to VAR. They'll overturn this. So I was a little bit surprised, but upon reflection, and I did watch it again. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, I think that buoyed them just before half time as well to get a goal. Then obviously it was missed, but then followed in. Really kind of set a platform up for them because they knew what they needed to do. They knew that they needed that goal, and then they kind of carried on in the same vein in the second half. I don't think they really gave Colombia much of a an opportunity to get into the rhythm that Colombia have been playing with in the previous two games. Incredible result for Morocco. And Morocco leading meant Germany dropped out of the top two again. So the second half of Germany's South Korea, how do you think Germany responded to that pressure, Tamara? Maybe they didn't respond because they looked like a team that didn't know how to perform 
in a high pressure moment. And you know, it was everything until that final piece. I mean, they were raining down on South Korea throughout the second half, creating chances, getting forward, getting the ball into the box. I do think that they were probably a bit one-dimensional and maybe over-reliant on pop. It didn't seem like they had too many other tricks up their sleeve, tools in the toolbox for what to do in those moments. And I think given the situation that they were in, South Korea was like, okay, bet, play that ball into the box. We know exactly what to do there. They absorbed the pressure brilliantly, which I think in turn continued to frustrate Germany. The clock is ticking, the pressure is rising. And I think that's where we saw them start to to crumble a bit, saw the confidence get chipped away at. And so while they continued creating chances, where I saw the pressure mounting the most was was in that last finish. And, and that's why, I mean, save for, for the, the goal, which would have been brilliant had it not been called off, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> I think that's, that's why we didn't get the, the final result. So Group H ends like this. Colombia top with six points. Morocco, they lose 6-0 in their opening game, <laughs> finish second with six points. Germany are out in third with four points. And South Korea pick up that incredible point against Germany, they finish fourth. Uh, So it's going to be Morocco v France. This is a really interesting matchup, Harriet. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting because obviously, as you you just mentioned, Morocco started the tournament losing 6-0 and then France opened against Jamaica with a 0-0 but finished their final game scoring six themselves but conceding three against Panama. So they are not infallible when it comes to defence either. They've got a few kind of rhythm problems as well, I'd say. They're they're not free-flowing yet by any stretch. So Morocco will go into this with a lot of confidence and France will need to be wary, I would say. And Colombia against Jamaica, Tamara. I mean, both have done so well to get out of their groups, Jamaica especially. How do you see the balance of this one? You know, it's almost like a team looking at itself in the mirror In the sense that I have been impressed by Colombia's and Jamaica's defenses. I think that they have been some of the most well-organized, consistent defenses throughout the tournament. Jamaica had three clean sheets throughout their group stages. They both have poison-tipped talisman goal scorers in Linda Caicedo and Bunny Shaw. I cannot wait to see whose striker will beat out whose defense. They both are coming into this having had to prove themselves to the world what they themselves as a team have known all along, which is that they deserve to be here. And I think that oftentimes teams like that have an advantage. I mean, we I guess this is the underdog mentality going against bigger teams. But what's happening now when two teams who had to rely on that underdog mentality to get to where they know they deserve to be? are going against another team who had to rely on that same mentality. And so it's it's going to be a very a reflective sort of match in that way. Definitely one that I'm expecting to be decided by the finest of margins, sharp, sharpest of knife edges. I think it's going to be a tight one. Do you reckon they'll both be fighting it out in the kind of pre-match build-up to be the underdog in that sense? Right. Who can who can dive lower into, <laughs> into underdogdom? Underdogdom. That's a new one. It's a new World Cup word. We'll get that in the dictionary. Um, the lineup for the last 16 for the 2023 Women's World Cup is complete. We'll look ahead to those games and take stock of an unbelievable group stage next. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Athletic Wins Football Podcast. So the group stages are over. It's been a whirlwind of wonderful moments. We thought we'd take a moment to reflect on what we've loved about the World Cup so far. Harriet, this is a hard one. There's been so many, but the biggest surprise of the tournament so far for you? Uh, Yeah, I mean, so many. And we can't just lean on the shock exits, can we really? What I would say, kind of along the, the same slash similar theme, is watching the teams that I've not seen much of and how confident they've been how like they've come into it with absolutely no fear and we haven't had those massive massive score lines like we've seen before into double figures yes there have been a few big score lines but then teams have recovered we've been speaking about one in particular a lot tonight and that's Morocco Uh, but I think that's been biggest lovely surprise for me because you never really know before the tournament starts what's going to come and you know, we all make our predictions and we all do our preview shows and then look very silly when our predictions <laughs> are completely torn up. Uh, but that's been the biggest thing for me, I think, is is watching these, uh, you know, lower ranked sides play with such freedom and such joy as well. It's been incredible. What about you, Tamara? Yeah, you know, normally superlative lists stress me out a bit because <laughs> especially in a tournament like this, it's like there is so much and I don't want to leave anything out. Completely agree with everything that you said, Harriet. This might be a bit of recency bias, but one of the biggest surprises for me was Portugal's last game against the U.S. I thought that their performance was spectacular. Their level of confidence going into that game, knowing, of course, everything that was on the line and still putting on a performance like that. I mean, that is going to be, I think, the the goal that wasn't that we will be remembering most by the Mm. end of this, no matter what (laughs) happens from here. Um, It was the kind of game that inspired me to start following the Portuguese domestic professional league more because I want to know how these players arrived Mm. here. Um, And those are some of the gifts that I think we typically sort of get out of these World Cups that may have been overshadowed a bit because so much (laughs) has been happening already. I just really admired their grit. I'm gutted that they weren't able to advance, but one of the most impressive last group stage performances from from top to bottom on that team. Absolutely. Um, There's been a lot of players, a lot of young players uh, lighting up the world stage, but Harriet, who's been your favourite player of the group stages? It could be one you've liked before or someone who's really surprised you. Uh, I'm really struggling to pick just one, obviously, as we always say. The player I hadn't seen before that I've really enjoyed watching uh, has been Linda Caicedo. Obviously, she's been much hyped, but lived up to it uh, in my eyes with, you know, that, that opener against Germany uh, sent 
Sydney Sydney Football Stadium absolutely wild was incredible incredible to be there and hear that and just actually the roar that goes up around the stadium whenever she touches the ball is just yeah how she deals with that as an 18 year old as well uh, is incredible it just doesn't look like it phases her at all I'm going to throw in another one Um, a player that I had seen a lot of previously when I've been covering Man United women when they were in the championship was Lauren James and I just loved watching her then just absolutely gobsmacked by her strength as a 16 17 year old in you know taking on players sometimes 20 years older than her and just yeah being able to see her kind of start her professional career at Man United Women and then obviously move on to Chelsea and then doing it with such ease on the world stage has been phenomenal. You know, get close to her, she'll roll you. Leave her too much space, she'll bang it in the back of the net. It doesn't matter whether she was playing in the Women's Championship or at the World Cup. That's what she's doing and she's going to continue, I think. Yeah, absolutely. She's been a joy to watch, especially, I guess, if you're a Lionesses fan. What about you, Tamara? So I interpreted this question for my own um, ease as who's my favourite player that I did not know about before? that I now want to follow. The list is five players long, but <laughs> at the top <laughs> is Tony Payne. She is a midfielder with the Nigerian Super Falcons. And have you ever, if you've ever watched a game and were like, wait, what, what's that player's number? And then you have to go Google it <laughs> because you're like, who are they? That's who she was for me. Every time she got the ball, it felt like, Everyone around her sort of just got to exhale a bit. I thought her decision-making was so precise, so consistently spot on. There were so many moments throughout the group stages. I watched Nigeria versus Ireland in particular, where she was able to just calm things down at the precise moment that pressure was mounting, that Ireland was coming at them hard. Not only calm down the game, but find a player to to start momentum going on the attack. And she's pretty young as a player. She's in her like mid-20s. And there's a maturity to her game that feels quiet. And I don't mean that to be diminutive. It's a quiet confidence that just really captivated me. There's a grace also to, to her game that makes it enjoyable to watch. So I'm really excited to, to continue watching her. And I think she's going to be key when Nigeria face England. Uh, any tactical trends that you've noticed, Harriet, um, counter-attacking or possession football? I mean, look at Japan against Spain, even though that was 4-0, like Spain dominated the ball, but Japan clinical. That is true. And I think another thing that was kind of pointed out to me when I was sat next to Michael Cox in a press box, it's great sitting next to him because he, <laughs> yeah, the way, the way that he points out things that you just never would see otherwise. We've been talking about in-swinging in corners and he's done an, a really good article on, on those uh, throughout the tournament. Obviously, we saw uh, a goal from one uh, and Katie McCabe and Sweden have been kind of masters of, of using that tactic. So watch out for that, USA. South Korea, even today, you know, swarming the goalkeeper and making her make a save. Uh, Frome's getting kind of fingertips to it to knock it out for a corner originally and then looking a bit nervous as it, it's coming in and swinging towards her goal. So that's kind of been a tactic adopted by lots of teams uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it quite a lot in the knockouts as well. Any tactical trends for you, Tamara, that have really caught your eye? The biggest one for me, I think, is I've, I've seen a lot of high pressing, which makes me happy because I love <laughs> when uh, attackers 
take on the, the defending duties. When I look at teams like Jamaica, who were able to go against France and Brazil and not allow them to score, obviously credit due to the, to the four back line. Um, but I think teams are increasingly, especially when they're going against teams with incredibly strong attacking lines, have to be all in on defense. And it's been really nice to see teams, including Brazil in, in moments throughout their short run, to see attacking midfielders, to see strikers taking on defensive duties. What's been your best off the pitch moment, Harriet? I liked the Jamaican head coach's cartwheel. Uh, what about you? What's more of a forward role on reflection, but what have you gone for? The Swedish suits also, big, big fan, but we decided we couldn't wear them. But what about you? We did, didn't we? Yeah, obviously the the forward role, that was very much how I would think I would look if I thought I'd done a handstand cartwheel. Um, I think just the, the celebrations post-match uh, of, you know, a lot of the teams where they've got results where they weren't expecting to get results. Uh, Morocco tonight, waiting for the Germany results to come through. But I was at Panama versus France and obviously a big scoreline against them, 6-3 in the end. Uh, but they celebrated that like they'd won it. And I just thought that was that was wonderful because it's difficult when you lose and quite often you can get sucked into a bit of a negative mentality, but they scored their first World Cup goal and you could see the joy that that brought every single member uh, you know, in the starting eleven, but also the substitutes who ran onto the pitch as well, I think with every goal that they scored. And then they were in the stadium with the fans, on the shoulders of fans in the crowd, after the final whistle and they were they were just there for forever it felt like we waited quite a while uh, for Marta Cox in the in the mix zone last night that was just incredible and the joy of football I think has been the winner at this World Cup it's been yeah incredible yeah it has been incredible Tamara um what have you enjoyed away from the actual football somewhat related to that um I've been loving all of the dance parties Give me a dance party in the locker room. Give me a dance party as you're walking onto the team bus. Give me a dance party as you're exiting the team bus. I love seeing players moving and expressing themselves the way that they do on the pitch, off the pitch. Right, this is so... And I I, I am reluctant to do too many comparisons to the men's game, but... <laughs> You never see this at a Men's World Cup, really. I mean, you, you, maybe a little bit, but not to the extent we have across the board it's, here. It's yeah. unabashed freedom. It's joy, as we've said. It's beautiful to see. And I think especially, this is not the first time I've seen teams dancing at the World Cup. Nigeria, South Africa, you can bet on it that they are going to have a good time when they're not doing business on the pitch. But I think given what we know about what maybe the majority at this point of these teams are doing also off the pitch the the battles that they're that they're engaging in the the issues that they've had to wade through in order to get here there's something really refreshing and reassuring i think that they are still able to access that because it's when players can't that I start to get worried. And oftentimes that shows up on the pitch too. So it's been nice to to sort of balance out all of the heavier aspects of this tournament with with those moments of levity. Along along that theme of um, like off-pitch battles and seeing Khadija Shaw and Marta discuss, you know, having a discussion post-match 
And obviously, we don't know what was said, but there's a ridiculous amount of respect between those two, obviously. And you could see, you know, that was just a, I think that's an iconic moment of this World Cup. You know, uh, a captain who has seen her country through to the round of 16 for the first time in their history and an outgoing legend, the all-time leading goalscorer at the World Cup. Them sharing a moment post-match to respect each other's journeys. That's going to be an image that lasts long in the memory for me. I feel like Marta's been iconic, even though it's not really been her World Cup. She's been coming back from injury. She's in the twilight of her career. Absolutely. But I feel like she's she's certainly been iconic in the way she's spoken and the way she's spoken to other players as well. Um, is this the best World Cup ever? Hands down. Yes. Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. Honestly, <laughs> it could have ended at the end of tonight and I would have felt that I got my money's worth 10 times over. I think there's just like... Obviously, I'm, you two are the experts, so I want to hear what you've got to say. But yeah, emotionally, there's been so much going on. The sort of life-affirming stories we've heard from Linda Carcido and her journey to the teams that have had to crowdfund to get here, which is ridiculous. But the fact that, and again, don't want to make it about men and women, but it is a thing. You can't get past it. The fact that women are being so strong, performing on the world stage and saying, we are here, we're here to stay. And actually, we're bloody good at football. And there isn't this massive disparity anymore. It's beautiful to see. This is a precedent-setting moment. This World Cup is setting a bar that nobody involved in this, from media to players to teams to hopefully federations, after they've seen what is possible, will not regress from. I'm speaking that into existence (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's going to change so much. It already has changed so much. I have to keep reminding myself that we are only now just finished with the group stages. And it's so hard to predict what can happen from here. And I'm not even just talking about who's going to beat who. Harry, it feels so different to four years ago, I think. I think this feels way bigger. I think this feels way more exciting. And it feels like the game's grown. Obviously, we're biased because we've had the Lionesses here do so well, which has maybe grown the game to a wider audience. Well, it has grown the game to a wider audience in our country. But Mm -hmm. seeing this transcend around the world, you know, to Arab nations being in a World Cup, to seeing someone play with a hijab on, to Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, teams from all different walks of life being there, but not only just being there for the sake of being there, being there and competing, for you, is, is it the same? Definitely the best ever. I th- yeah, absolutely. I think that that last point there is is one of the key points as well of not just being here and making up the numbers, but actually competing on the pitch. And as Tamara has spoken about, all of all of these countries, most teams having to also deal with things off the pitch. I said in the build up to this World Cup that it was going to be the biggest ever, and it's not disappointing in any of the action that we've seen so far. We've had so many firsts. Uh, so many first goals, first wins, first appearances, uh, debuts to remember, incredible goals. Also, you know, not too many goalkeeping mistakes, which is something that is always kind of thrown at the women's game. Uh, there have been a, a few, but they've not been absolutely kind of catastrophic in a sense that it's going to be used as a stick to beat the women's game with, which has often been the case, which is really frustrating. So, yeah, I think it's it's gone up another level. If you're watching this World Cup, you will recognise that, you will see that and you'll be excited to continue with us into the group, into the knockout stages. 
Yep, well, that was the group stages. They're gone now. The last 16 looks like this. On Saturday, we've got Switzerland v. Spain at 6am and then Japan v. Norway, 9am. Sunday morning, it's a very early start for the Netherlands against South Africa, 3am. Sweden, USA is at 10 in the morning. Monday, it's England v. Nigeria, 8.30 and Australia v. Denmark, 11.30. And Tuesday, the 8th of August, the final last 16 games are Colombia against Jamaica, 9am. France v Morocco midday. Obviously all UK time, Tamara and Harriet. If not, you'd have some bizarre kickoffs going on <laughs> in Australia and New Zealand. Um, just briefly on England Watch, one of England, Nigeria, Colombia or Jamaica will be in the semi-final and Japan and the USA. They are on the other side of the draw. Uh, we'll focus on all those ties in a future episode, but Switzerland v Spain then is our next match. Both sides in different ways have some convincing to do in this tournament, don't they? Do you think it'd be quite a jittery tie, Harriet? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, that result uh, against Japan for, for Spain, I think, you know, leaves them with something to prove now. They were being bigged up as, you know, tournament kind of contenders after their first two results. Uh, but now there's some questions to be answered, you know, in their approach. And also uh, Switzerland, you know, not scored in their last two uh, at a World Cup, you know, two matches out of however many you end up playing at a World Cup to not score is is quite a lot. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And I think it's it's going to be one, obviously, I imagine where Spain dominate possession, as they usually do. And it'll be interesting to see how, how they then cope with any kind of surprises that Switzerland tried to spring. It's Japan v Norway on the same day. Um, I'm trying not to give too much of an opinion because I'm not as much of an expert as I said as you two, but... Tamara, I think that Japan could go all the way to the final from what I saw against Spain because tactically the way they've switched up is just insane. Uh, They play Norway. Norway, it felt like, arrived in the tournament in their last group game. What are you thinking? I'm still putting my money on Japan. I have been... Do you, think, do you think Japan can get to the finals? Yes. Well, or am I just being No, struggling? 100%. They have been so consistent throughout the tournament. They seem almost like they move with one brain, one heartbeat on the pitch. And you can see the way that that's grown their confidence with every game. I think they're going to be flying high still from their last result against Spain. Norway, though, to their credit, potentially are building some momentum. I have to say I'm not sure really what the source is. And because I'm not sure the source of their momentum, I'm not sure if they will be able to sustain it going against a team that is going to challenge them in every way, going against a team that is has already studied them deeply and closely and will know where to poke and prod and, and tempt and trick. Based on what I've seen, Japan is going to have the upper hand. Norway have some bite to them, though, and it'll be interesting to see how Japan responds to that. Yeah, so Japan or Norway could play the USA or Sweden in the quarters. So tasty. Well, thanks very much for joining us today. Make sure you've subscribed to the Athletic Wins Football Podcast wherever you're listening now so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks to my guests, Harriet Drudge, Tamara Griffin and Chloe Morgan. I'm Michelle Owen. And just like the players, we're having a rest day tomorrow. I know, shock. But we'll be back on Saturday to review all of the action as the knockouts begin. We'll see you then. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.